Welcome to Behind the Berry, sponsored by Modexis, where you'll get to know the brand behind these world-class innovative supplements formulated by science with you in mind. You'll meet our people, the founders of Modexis and members of our product research council. You'll also hear about our amazing products through stories from our customers of overcoming health challenges. They're not just surviving, they're thriving. Modexis is the leader in bringing you the world's first family of innovative natural nutrition, powered by the elite superfruit, Lanacera cerulea. Our products are non-GMO, gluten-free, and made right here in the USA with no preservatives. They're 100% natural, so you can feel good about taking them and sharing them with your family. And learn just how easy it is to become an affiliate with Modexis and gain financial prosperity just by sharing Modexis with the people you love. Now let's jump into this week's episode of Behind the Berry. Hey guys, it's Brittany Jones. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Berry, sponsored by Modexis. With me today, I have the newest member of the Modexis Product Research Council, Alan Ogden. Hi, Alan. How are you? Hi, Brittany. It's so great to meet you. This is so fun. Nice to meet you, too. Well, Alan is joining us all the way from Canada today, and we were joking. We literally couldn't live any further away from one another as I'm down <laughs> here in Florida. Um, but I'm so glad that you were able to join us today. Uh, Alan Ogden has over four decades practicing in the medical field. And as I said, he's the newest member of our Product Research Council. So um, I'm going to let him share with us a little bit about himself. And then we're going to learn a little bit about the Product Research Council and what they do and just talk about Modexis and honestly, how much we probably love these products. <laughs> so, um, Alan, I'll let you take it away. Please share with us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, I'm really ha happy to share about myself. So, you know, if you asked a five-year-old in your neighborhood what they wanted to be, uh, you know, they'd have an idea. They'd give you an idea. I don't know what it would be today. But uh, when I was five, I wanted to be a pharmacist and uh, couldn't spell the word, but I wanted to be a pharmacist. So uh, it's kind of a, a long story, but um, my father was killed uh, when I was five and uh, I was the, I'm the youngest of my family. So I was the only one not in school and uh, my mom had a John Deere dealership to sell. So that meant that I had to sort of be moved around and I lived with different family members. And one of those was a great aunt and uh, she was really wonderful to be with. Um, I watched a, a tragedy at that time, uh, really, I won't go into that too much, but it really affected me physically. So um, I was really sick. And uh, my auntie, she took me by the hand and we walked down the street a couple blocks and we went to this little store and there's a man there with his white jacket and he talked to me really nicely and he gave me something to drink. And uh, about 20 minutes later, I felt really I just felt good. So I said to my auntie, oh, someday I'm going to do that. I'm going to take people's pain away. Mm. And um, then I completely forgot about that and became a hockey referee. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's quite a difference. But uh, yes. anyway, I, you know, just wanted to be with my friends. And uh, I wanted to, I love hockey. I love skating. I love being outside. And, uh, you know, just all those things. And then when I was about 16, I, I met a friend of, of my brother who said to me, hey, listen, 
I would like to quit my job at the drugstore, but I can't until I replace myself. So would you like the job? Sure. So I went and had this interview. It lasted about five minutes in this drugstore. The man hired me. And honestly, Brittany, I felt like I got home. And, and, and I, didn't, I did not remember anything about what I said at five years old until I got the job. And then one day talking with my great aunt, she said, oh, well, you, you've always said you were going to do that. And um, I'm like, I did. <laughs> uh, but I do remember the incident, certainly, of that man making me feel better. So I was able to go to university. And in Canada, we have a different course in the United States. So the degree I got at that time is a Bachelor of Pharmaceutical Sciences. So pharmaceutical sciences accompanied something called pharmacognosy. And pharmacognosy is actually the use of plants as food. Hmm. So I literally learned how to take extracts, bark, all these different things that uh, we've long forgotten about. And yeah. we made prescriptions. And doctors would actually write prescriptions, you know, uh, in, in um, what's called Avru Dupois. Uh, that's the, the, the sort of Greek and Hebrew uh, term, uh, Latin term for grains so they would like you know a certain herb and it'd be so many grains and, and we would make we would individually make prescriptions for people wow. now that didn't last too long in my career I was really at the tail end of that but the store that I was able to buy actually had a basement and it was full of all the weights and measures and so on it was so complete I actually donated it to uh, the provincial museum so that would be like your state a yeah. provincial museum, and they built a you know drugstore based on all of the things that were in uh, that building, and it's still there till this day. So that's really uh, cool. Yes, yeah, a really cool story. <laughs> um, I my, once again, my my uh, my family was very influence, influential on me, like my grandma, her sister, my great auntie, and uh, because of that, I decided I needed to expand. Now in Canada, we didn't have a farm D program like. Uh, in the United States, uh, when people graduate from pharmacy, it's, they actually get a Farm B uh, designation or Doctor of Pharmacy. That didn't exist in Canada, so I went back to school and I did geriatric pharmacy, um, and then I did pediatric pharmacy, and then I decided, okay, I'm going to do the best I can to get uh, a Farm B uh, program. So I wrote a thesis called "How Does Your Body Know to Stay Sick." Mm-hmm. And I was able to uh, submit that. It got accepted. and um, But unfortunately, being Canadian and being American, there's a little difference there in how you're accredited. And uh, so even though that was accepted in the United States, it's not accepted in Canada, uh, which is why I don't use the term doctor, And I, uh, although I've practiced so many years. Yeah. Uh, so then, then I decided, um, well, I didn't really decide. It was kind of forced on me. Um, I woke up one day with a headache, like a really, really bad headache. I had never had a headache in my life. I didn't even know what it was. Uh, I lost 33 pounds in, in three weeks. And so they wouldn't even let me in the hospital because they didn't know what I had. But it turned out that I had this massive brain infection. And uh, ultimately, they gave me about six days to live. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of exciting. Like, it's interesting. But at the time, I was so tired uh, because of how this was working. I was so tired. I didn't know 
like, like I had no energy to think about, you know, I'm, I may pass away or whatever. Hmm. Well, on, on day seven, I woke up and obviously. And uh, so I said to the doctor, Hey, like what happened? And he said, well, your immune system kicked in. And I said, okay, well, is there any way we can do that intentionally? Mm. Right? Like, like if it, that's great. I mean, it's wonderful. But, and he said, well, no, I, I don't know of any way. So that became the pursuit from then on, even though I was practicing pharmacy, I decided to get into research. Mm. And in that, I discovered glutathione. Uh, so I ended up going to uh, a university here in Canada called McGill. And uh, McGill actually is a very famous university. It wrote the original uh, textbook for medical schools, which is still used by all the medical schools in North America to this day. Wow. They were also the number one research facility in the world for what we would now call anti-aging. At the time, it was just sort of life extension or you know, learning how to, how to modulate things in, that would increase your chances of living a long life. And Dr. Gustavo Bunas, I got to work with him. Dr. Patricia Conchavan, who is the mother of immunology, first lady ever published in the Journal of Immunology. Mm. And uh, so that really turned me in, into a researcher. And since that time, so for the last about 20 years, uh, I've worked in oncology mostly. Uh, because that, that's a very difficult disease. It's very difficult to support from a nutritional point of view. But my work has basically been in finding ingredients and things that are known in science, but they're not known in medicine, to be really good adjunct therapy. So an adjunct therapy means it's something you can use at the same time as you're using medical therapy to actually help people recover or help reduce the side effects from a treatment like in cancer to, to, to really help your body battle the, the therapy that you're getting to get healthy. Hmm. And um, so in that, uh, that this, one of the things I discovered along the way was something called Monocera. Um, and I didn't know that it even existed, but uh, just in my research and uh, uh, with the universities I was working with, there's a university in Canada called Dalhousie, which is closer to you than me. It's 8,000 kilometers from me. It's probably like 4,000 kilometers from you. Uh, but uh, they're like number one in the research of what in plant materials actually is the active ingredient and why do certain plants have the ability to influence, say, our immune system or our cardiovascular system or uh, you know our liver, or some other way in a real positive direction, and uh, so I got to work with uh, them for a little bit, a little while, and uh, and that's really one of the reasons why Modexis, uh, because of Lanocera berry and the power of that berry, and then Dr. Rose and I met, uh, you know, through another opportunity, we began to work together. And his background is slightly different than mine in the fact that he's a registered pharmacist in the United States, which means he's really good at drugs. Um, and then he became a naturopathic doctor, which really means he learned, you know, how that whole uh, medical profession views uh, health and how to handle health. 
-hmm. So my, my course has really been scientific, uh, a lot more science. And to this day, I'm still looking for and formulating different product uh, ingredients, bringing them together uh, in a way that they impact. They have a, a, a measurable impact on whatever system it is that we're trying to impact. And so just briefly to give you an idea of that, you know, cardiovascular disease is still the number one killer in America. So uh, we, we are working on a, a fantastic cardiovascular product. Uh, now, in Canada, we have to go through a rigorous process to get a, a license to sell a product. And uh, that product did pass that license. Uh, it's called a class three, which means in, in Canada, you have class one, two, three. Class three is the next thing. If it was any stronger in what it did, it would have to be designated as a drug. So we, we know it's very powerful. Mm. Uh, we're working on protein supplements. So protein uh, in, 19, in 2014, there was a study done here in Canada on people, elderly people, and uh, the researchers at the end of the study, their summary was that aging, so the things that we associate with aging, so lack of mobility, lack of immune function, lack of cognition, their lifetime protein deficiencies. Mm. So, so, so now we're working on a protein supplement that would actually really influence uh, the, the availability of amino acids for our brain, for our mobility, etc. So that, that's kind of where I come from. And, uh, you know, knowing Dr. Charlie before, I, and, uh, you know, now with Dr. Dina, who's a practitioner, uh, who has, you know, basically a, a focus in the women's world, uh, I think we have just a dynamic combination of people uh, to come together have discussions and come up with solutions that we can offer the Modexus people, the uh, Modexus advocates that are going to be really helpful. Yes. Wow. Okay. We have to unpack that. That was so good. I want to kind of scoot back a little to your your sort of beginning stages of being in uh, in the medical field. I love that your foundation was in more natural um, medicine and that you learned these things that you're putting into practice now. And, and what's kind of mind blowing to me is to hear you say that you, that was your beginning here you are now. And what you're producing now is actually cutting edge, right? People haven't sort of, they didn't dive into this to, to look at food as medicine or to look at nature as medicine. So my mind is blown right now, just in, in that alone. Um, how do you feel about being able to sort of bring these new products out that kind of have been, you know, they, they use elements of things that have been for around for a very long time. And then the new technology that we have to be able to do that. Um, how, how do you feel about that? Does that just excite you? Well, to it's, no just end? So, <laughs> it's just so, it's just so exciting. So, um, you know, when, when I first started practicing, people would, uh, approach me as, as they do uh, because pharmacists are the most accessible uh, medical profession in the world. You can find their stores are open 24 hours. Yeah. They're there. They're, they're, you know, for long, many, many years, they've been the most trusted uh, medical profession. And uh, so people used to come into my, uh, to my practice and they'd say, do you have something for that? Now what they meant by that in those days was, do you have a pill, lotion, potion, something that's fast, quick and easy, to get me back to work. 
because when I was practicing, uh, starting in the uh, very late eight, uh, 70s, early 80s, uh, there was a great economic shift going on. So in 1969, in North America, 20% of the women had a job. Within 10 years, that changed to where 20% of the women were still at home. So eight, we had a tremendous shift in who was in the workforce. And literally, people didn't have time to have a job, have sick kids, etc. And the pharmaceutical industry stepped into that void. And their idea was, we're going to make a pill for every ill. Mm. Uh, so no matter what it was, and some of them were even going to invent and make a pill for, for you know, it was it was like th this was the answer. And people really, I think, trusted that answer. They thought, oh, gosh, you know, now I can live my life. I can just go do what I want to do. I can eat the food I want to eat, so on. I don't have to worry about it because I'm going to be able to go to the doctor. I'm going to be able to get a prescription. And, you know, there's just going to be a pill for that. Wow. Uh, I, I see... I sort of see a dramatic shift in that about 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, even where people started coming in and they'd say, do you have something for that? And what they meant by that was, do you have an alternative? I don't want to go the drug way first. Is there something that's an alternative? And that was a tremendous void in the marketplace. Yeah. So as a matter of fact, I, in, in Canada here, myself and two other pharmacists, we lobbied the federal government. Um, so that would be like somebody going to Congress in the United States and saying, yeah. we do not want tobacco sold in drugstores any longer. So we were successful in getting that regulation or that law passed. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's federally, uh, it's a federal law, but it's administered provincially. But literally, uh, with the exception of one province in Canada, uh, cigarettes are no longer sold in drugstores mm -hmm. because I thought it was I thought it was so nonsensical yes. to yes. be sending selling people you know asthma inhalers at the at the back and and cigarettes at the front. Yes, and so I wanted what I, I you know you need to replace. You're going to lose that. That was two million dollars worth of mm -hmm. sales years. Um, so I tried putting health products into my drugstores. I had three at the time. They, they weren't available. There just was nothing available. I had to import them from Europe hmm. to actually get, get vitamins that worked. Wow. Uh, not that there wasn't vitamin supplements sure. that were available, but I, I wanted something that actually worked. And uh, so this, this may surprise you, but it was in 1999. So that's really not very long ago. We're talking 23, 24 years ago was the very first time that individuals from the FDA in the United States and Health Canada actually attended a symposium on natural medicine. And, and their minds were blown because they went and they met all these researchers from around the world who were looking at plants. They were still continuing. The American uh, Society of Pharmacognosy still exists and they're still doing research. And, and there was a change then. Um, first of all, they divided drugs and, and nutraceuticals into two different categories. They're administered separately. And uh, Canada became the strictest country in the world to launch uh, natural products, which has its benefits in the fact that we have to actually supply evidence that these products are going to work. So it's a great country to work in in that regard. And I felt, wow, this is the opportunity I've really been looking for. This is where I can really help people in bringing natural solutions, uh, things that aren't going to interfere with their 
any kind of allopathic treatment that they're that they're taking. And uh, now we're that that whole field is just blowing up. It's exploding at a tremendous rate. Uh, so that's I, I, I you know I'm a kid in a candy shop right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I love it. I am. I love it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you've heard the term crunchy before, but that's what I would consider myself is like this new wave of like you know, I care what I'm putting in my body and I care what I'm slathering on my skin and I'm paying attention to ingredients and I want things that are helpful and not harmful, you know? Um, and so us crunchy mamas, us, us crunchy people, um, we are loving things like Modexis these days for sure. And what also strikes me as interesting is, you know, I'm not an expert on this by any means, but from my understanding, medicine started as plants and food. That's truly even in, in the, in the universities, I want to say Harvard. Um, yes, you're right. Am I right? Okay. Yes, Yay, you're okay. right. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, if we want to look at the history of that, I mean, we didn't have anything else. Right. And, and I have a very uh, wonderful story. My grandma and I, who were very close, uh, we were out at our, at their farm. Uh, I would have been, I would have been under 10. I can't really put a, a time a, a real frame on that well, we would have been under 10 and we were walking through this field and my grandma she stopped and she started to pick a few things and she's and I said grandma what are you doing she says oh I'm gonna make you a gum I'm gonna make you something to chew because you're a little nervous you're a little anxious you're out here you know I'm a city kid I've never lived on the farm and I can tell that you're you know you're a little fearful of being out here in the farm there's lots of things that you don't know so she literally took some chrysanthemum flowers, she took some other things, and she made this little gum for me to chew, uh, which I did, and and it did exactly that. I, I mean, my anxiety was gone. On it. And right then, there was this question that arose in my mind as a child. Why, why are we not using, like, they're readily available. Here it was growing in a field. Yeah. She knew how to use it, so it was the only medicine they had. Yes. And, you know, all of my grandparents, except one, lived well into their 90s uh, without taking any pharmaceuticals at all. Yeah. So, awesome. so yeah, what a, what an experience, right? So I, I'm glad to hear there's crunchy mums. I didn't, ha I've never heard that term before, but uh, what a, what a great uh, ideology, really, to have. Yeah. Yes, we're here and we're, we're loud and proud, crunchy moms, too. Crunchy well, moms. This is awesome. I would love to keep going, but I think we have to wrap it up. I do have one last question before we do end. I would love to know what is your favorite Modexis product? Why? What does it do for you? What can you just not live without every day? Well, I spent the last two decades of my life studying glutathione. Um, I, I actually had the privilege of going to two uh, world symposiums on glutathione. Okay. So one in uh, 2018 in New York City, uh, where I met all these incredible doctors from around the world, and they had dedicated their life to understanding this most important molecule. Uh, I actually call it the molecule of life. I own that trademark, actually, glutathione, the molecule of life. Cool. Uh, so, so, you know, I, I, longevity is really got to be my favorite product. Um, and, and it's the versatility. So I, I know we're going to talk again at, at times, Brittany, uh, maybe, uh, there's so many aspects to what glutathione 
contributes to a healthy body. So I'm just going to mention this one thing. Yeah. There was a study done in 2006. Maybe we can kind of close with this. There was a study done on centenarians. So people that are lived over the age of 100 centenarians. And they the only thing they had in common, so their lifestyles are completely different. Whether they smoked, didn't smoke, exercised, didn't exercise, what food they ate, it, the one thing they had in common was they had glutathione levels that were uh, equivalent to somebody in, in their 30s or 40s. So that really tells us how powerful this molecule glutathione is and how essential it is. To me, it's the ultimate anti-aging, uh, well, it's just the ultimate product. It's the ultimate ingredient uh, that our body needs. So longevity has to be my favorite one. I love it. I had a feeling you were going to say that. I do have <laughs> one last question, actually. Yeah, good. This just popped in my head. A lot of people talk about absorption. How how does that work with something that you're just taking, like a supplement orally? Because, you know, people will tell you all day long, and, and to your point earlier about there are lots of vitamins out there, right? Like, let's look at the ones that actually work. And I know absorption is a part of that conversation. Is this something we can cover somewhat briefly? We can. So okay. absorption is really, really important. Absor so there's two factors. Absorption is do the nutrition, nutrients or nutrition, does that get across your intestinal tract? Right. So it, they do bioavailability studies. The intention of the bioavailability study is to get it across your intestinal tract. That's not where it does its work. The next step is the cellular availability. So when we look at an ingredient and how we're going to formulate that, how we're going to put it together, what transport mechanism do we need to use not only to get it across the intestinal tract, but what transport mechanism do we need at the cell level to get it inside the cell? Because healthy cells, right? Healthy cells equal healthy organs. Healthy organs equal a healthy organism. So bioavailability is just one thing. So when I hear people say, oh, we've got this product, we did a bioavailability test, and it really it gets across your intestinal tract, great. But what does it do at the cellular level? So that's a great concern to me. And when we put a product together like longevity or we put a product together like tranquility or one of those things, we're looking for what does it actually do once it's in the body? Because that's where it has its activity. So um, and, and that's one of the things about Canada is we have to provide studies that show if we're going to use an ingredient or a combination of ingredients in a, in a formulation, we have to tell them why we're using that combination and does it actually contribute uh, to the activity at a cellular level or where it does its work. So hopefully that gave you a little better definition of between bioavailability and actually cellular uh, availability. Yes. Absolutely. And I think it's important for people to hear that and understand it because, again, there are lots of products on the market. You can walk into any drugstore, any grocery store and buy any vitamin. And I think sometimes people look, um, you know, if they're cost conscious, they're looking at the price of Modexis and wondering, you know, why would I spend this 
type of money on a product when I can just go to the grocery store and grab something. And, and I think that makes a perfect point as to why um, what you're getting is working on the cellular level. It's not just placebo, like you're feeling good because you took your vitamins today. So just wanted to sort of make that point today. And, um, and Alan, I just so appreciate you, you and your time with me today and uh, the knowledge that you've shared. And yes, let's do this again. We can talk all glutathione the next time if you want to. <laughs> all right. Excellent. Well, nice to meet you. Have a wonderful day in Florida. Thank you. I'll see you next time. Hey guys, it's Brittany. Make sure to go visit modexus.com. That's M-O-D-E-X-U-S.com to connect with an advocate for Modexus in your area. I'd also love it if you would like and subscribe to this channel as well as the Modexus channel. And be sure to hit the little notification bell so you know every time we post something new.